Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you. 
okay? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they tell the story of Jesus' life. The, the Bible says that if we were to write down all of the amazing works that Jesus did, not all the books in the whole world would be able to contain them. So he did a lot of cool stuff, okay? But out of all the four stories of Jesus' life, it's this one story, aside from Jesus raising from the dead, this is the only one that's in all four stories. The, for every one of the disciples, this just stood out as, wow, that was amazing. I remember that really vividly, and I want to include this in my story of Jesus' life. And so there's a lot in here, and a lot of ways I wanted to take this, but, but I felt like God really spoke. I, I don't know about you, but I feel like when God speaks to me personally, and he challenges me, that's what I want to share with you all. And so as we read in the story here, we read that, that Jesus took them to a desolate place. And so that's really the, the, the title of this message is The Desolate Place. If you're writing notes, that's a great thing to write down, The Desolate Place that we're going to talk about. And if you guys do write down notes, I encourage it because you can learn a number of ways, but when you hear something, if you're an auditory learner, uh, if you combine that with kinesthetics and you begin to write things down, it helps you retain it more. Okay, and when we have things on the screen, if you're a visual learner, we want you to retain more. And if you want to participate, I would recommend, I'd encourage it. Someone say amen. amen. Amen just means I agree with you. That's true, I agree with you. And so if you want to participate, I welcome it. I like it. It's encouraging to me. It says, okay, someone's listening to me. So if you want to participate, it's a great way to, to, to participate and to retain more of what God is speaking and where the truth is. Amen. I know when things get quiet, that's when things don't feel good and you don't want to say amen. But I know you, I know you mean on the inside. But I want to talk to you today about the desolate place. And, and for the desolate place, he took them away. And in fact, the word desolate, if I'll start there. A desolate place is a place deserted of people and in a state of bleak and dismal emptiness. Sounds kind of dark. Now, I'm not a dark person, so we'll, we'll keep it fun. But I want to talk about the desolate place today, if that's okay. Because even though... I have always, I always seem to be at a, at a high level emotionally, and I, I love having fun. I love joking around. I, I've faced some desolate times in my life. Has anybody else? Am I the only one? And, and that looks different for everybody, but we all face a desolate place, and sometimes it comes out in various ways. I, I, was, I was studying this week and found that, you know, for some people, they face depression, and, and for women, the depression looks very differently than it does for men. When women get depressed, it manifests in one way. When men get depressed, it comes out in anger. And, and so we, we face things in different ways, and different circumstances affect us differently. But did you know the number one prescription in America right now is antidepressants? The number one prescription in the country, aside from every other sickness and disease, it's antidepressants. How many people in this city feel like they're in a desolate place. They're in a place where they're lifeless. They're, they're purposeless. They're, they're stressed out with, with their job, with, with a marriage. How many people are in a desolate place right now where they are? I've heard it said that, that in, in life, you're either in the middle of a storm right now, or you're just getting out of a storm or you're just getting ready to go back into a storm. And, and I want to talk about this because 
I, I feel like in the last couple of years, God has been working in me to look at the storm, to look at the desolate place in life differently than I ever have before. Can I be honest with you that, that for my whole life, I've struggled with worry and fear and insecurity. And I still do to a degree, but God is working this out in me to look at things differently, where I don't look at failure as an identity, where I don't look at my, my mistakes as devastating anymore, where I begin to, to not to not focus on what I can and can't do, but begin to focus on what God can do. And God is not nearly as concerned about your success or your circumstances as he is about your character. And in the desolate place, this is where he does work in the heart, if we will allow him, and if we will permit him to come in and change who we are from the inside out. Because let's be honest, as, as people, we want to affect our circumstances. I, for a long time, I served God thinking that he was going to change everything around me to suit, my, to suit my needs and my wants. But when I didn't have the job I want, I didn't have the, the, the finances I wanted, I, I didn't get to live where I wanted, I, didn't, I wasn't content with my life, I took it out on God. Has anyone else ever done that or is it just me? A couple of you, okay. I'm okay with that, I can, I can admit it. But I took it out on God because my circumstances weren't lined up the way I wanted them to. And too often times we serve God, think he's going to change our circumstances, but it says that the fruit of the Spirit, one of the fruits of the Spirit, is self-control. Not circumstance control. It's not to change your outward circumstances. He's way more concerned about your character and how you look at what you're facing. He allows us to go through hard times, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to start off, and uh, as we talk about this, we, we read, let me put this story in context for a minute. As he, they went to this desolate place, right before this we read, if you guys want to go back, and, I, and please, I encourage you, if you don't have a Bible, we can get you one, go home, study this. Read this for yourself, put things in context. Anything you hear here, go and, and test it. Test it by the word of God and know that this is truth. But to put this in context, we read in, in, uh, earlier in this chapter, we read that Jesus sent out his disciples two by two, and he said, do not take a tunic, don't take money, don't take anything with you. Don't take a change of clothes. I don't know about you, but I know some people, I can't even go wear without a toothbrush. Like, you can't even go to your work day without brushing your teeth. I don't go anywhere without putting on some deodorant. Anybody else, men? I hope so. The men are like, maybe. But he said, don't take anything with you. He puts them in a position of dependence and says, go and minister. And they went out with authority from Jesus, and, and, they, and they told people to repent of their sins, and they told them about the kingdom of God, and they healed the sick, and they loved on people. And so he put them in this position of, of ministry and dependence. And when, they, and when they came back, they were exhausted. They said they didn't even have time to eat. They're so busy. How many of you felt busy like that before? Just, just busy. Not even have time to eat. I pretty much always make time to eat personally, but, <laughs> but for some people, that's a th I know my wife does that. She's like, I don't know, I just I haven't eaten all day today. It's like, did that happen? I, you do, how do you do that? I, I never miss a meal, <laughs> unless I intentionally do a fasting, of course, but, but it said they were so busy. And then also we see in that same chapter, the story about John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was a relative of Jesus. He was a man that was prophesied to come before Jesus and pave the way and, and proclaim the good news of prepare for Jesus is coming. 
Repent of your sins. He was a relative of Jesus. Their mothers were cousins. And he loved John the Baptist. He, he says in here in the Bible, it says that, that Jesus said that he is the, the greatest man to ever be born of a woman. Okay, now I would like that on my resume. This is what Jesus said about me. Okay, so he loves John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the one that actually baptized Jesus. And what happens is as the disciples are away and they're ministering, John the Baptist gets murdered for his faith, gets murdered for, for his speaking truth. And they come back and they, they take the body of John the Baptist to bury him and they share the news with Jesus. And it's in that moment he says, we need to get away. And so maybe your desolate place comes out of a point of grieving. Maybe it comes out of a point of stress and exhaustion. Like the disciples are grieving like Jesus. Some people here, you may have been facing or have faced this desolate place because you purposefully went there said, I need to get alone with Jesus. I need to get away from everything and get with him. That's great. For most of us, we find ourselves in a desolate place kind of on accident. Man, how did I get here? This is a desolate place. I think that's how most of us get here. But in the desolate place, my first point, in the desolate place, find rest in God. Find rest in God in a desolate place. It says here that Jesus said, let's go to a desolate place and rest. That's so challenging for us to find that rest. And I don't know about you, but when I'm stressed out and I'm anxious, I, I, I try to do a little escapism. Does anybody else do escapism? Guys, we go into our nothing box. You come home, what do you do? You turn on ESPN, right? And we just want to go into our nothing box and escape. For some ladies, it's retail therapy and Ben. I'm just joking. He likes to shop. I don't. However, I have realized in the last couple of years as I've learned what my habits are, I've learned that I do retail therapy too. I do. And I don't go to the mall. I hate the mall. But I'll go like online and shop for just dumb stuff. Just <laughs> stupid stuff. Like, I, I need new socks. I need to find a great deal on socks. Let's just go look for socks. Like, just stupid stuff just to, just to pacify my mind because I'm anxious. This week, or last week, I bought a motorcycle. Yeah, my wife's not very happy about that. Yeah, I kind of bought, it was kind of an impulse buy, and I think I got myself a little bit of a project. So, so if anyone knows anything about motorcycle mechanics, please come see me afterwards, and so my wife doesn't divorce me. <laughs> Just joking. She wouldn't do that, I hope. But what do we do when we, when we get discouraged, when we, get, when we grieve, when we get stressed out? We, we pacify ourselves. We, we, we run to social settings and go have fun we, we we run to that next relationship we go and we numb our minds with pornography we we go and we have a few drinks just to relax and i'm okay with with a drink i mean it's not a big deal but but if that's where you're finding your peace there's a problem we go to marijuana this is southern california come on i know it don't don't lie to me we go to so many other things to pacify ourselves, to, to try to find peace and rest. And Jesus says, rest in me. Come to the desolate place. Embrace where you're at. It's a desolate place, yes. Rest in God. I, I love some of these scriptures that, that God lays out here in 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Cast your anxieties on him. Just throw them on his shoulders. 
I, I don't do that enough. I, I try to bear the burden. And this week, I, I try to give some of that burden to my wife. I, I come home from a long day of work, and, and I'm stressed about finances and my job, and I haven't performed well this week, and, 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 and you know, we're starting this new campus, and I don't know, I have all these worries and fears, and, and I'm, I'm just unloading on my wife. And she, as I come home, and at first she was like, hey, honey, nice to see you. And she's always beautiful and greets me. And, and then all of a sudden I'm like, well, honey, this is on my mind. And, you know, I just, I want to share it with you. And as I begin to share with her all the things that are on my mind, I'm thinking like, man, I need the support for my wife. I'm so grateful for her. And as I begin to lay it out on her, she's like, uh. And I'm like, well, stop, stop, stop. What's with the face? Knock it off. Like, come on, I, I need encouragement. I, I need some solutions. I, I need you to be strong for me. And, and, she's, and she's like, well, you're stressing me out now. And I was like, well, honey, no, it's not how it's supposed to work. And I'm getting angry. And I was like, well, honey, like, you know, if I can't come to you with my issues, who am I supposed to go to? And as soon as that came out of my mouth, and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And as soon as that came out of my mouth, I thought, oh, that was a stupid question. And she looks at me, and she's like, Jesus? Oh, I need to go pray. And I realized in that moment that on the whole ride home, I'm stressed out. I didn't want to say, hey, God, here's what's on my heart. I didn't cast my anxieties on him and let him handle that burden and that load. This next week when things got anx- I got anxious about things, I just started taking a different route. And I began to write down on a piece of paper at my, at my job, in my office, took, took a break, wrote down, this is stressing me out and this is on my mind. And and, and God, this is what is, is, you know, this is what I'm distracted by at work. I wrote those things out, and every one of them I began to declare, you are Lord over my finances. You cover every one of my mistakes. You are my provider. And where I failed as a husband, I can learn from that. You can make me a better husband, God, because you work from the inside out. For all the things that were stressing me out, I began to declare God's goodness over every one of those things. And at the end of it, it's not on me anymore. I can trust God and find rest in him. The Bible also says in Philippians 4, 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then lastly, Matthew 11, I feel like the word speaks for itself. It says, come to me, Jesus says this, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God, I love that. But sometimes we only find that in the desolate place. When we can rest in God. But what happens when they go and they go to, to this desolate place? They arrive there and who's there? They've got throngs of people. It says 5,000 men is what it says. But in the way they counted people at the time, in that culture, it, spe- it specifies 5,000 men. What about the women and children? Scholars think there was probably more like 10, 15, maybe 20,000 people there. Okay, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. And so they, they go to the desolate place to really get a break, get away from people, and that's exactly what they find, is people. And sometimes when you feel like you're in a desolate place, I don't know about you, but when I've, when I've been stressed out in the past, I don't care about anyone else but me. 
Can I be honest with you? There's times where we're like, I don't want to do community group. I don't want to do it because I'm going through stuff. And I don't care what they're going through. Does anyone else feel that way? Is it just me? I need a break. Glad it's not just me. I'll be honest. I get selfish sometimes. But when, when God calls you to a desolate place and rest in him, oftentimes he's going to call you to serve. And you may not feel like it. You may not want to. That may not be the first thing on your list, but God calls us to serve. Why would he do that? God calls us to serve because in service, we begin to take the focus off of ourselves. We begin to take the focus off of our problems and our issues, and we begin to pour into other people. We begin to see what other people are going through. We begin to care about other people's needs more than our own. In serving others, we begin to feel fulfillment and joy. It says that when Jesus came, or it says uh, when Jesus came, it said the Son of Man did not come to be saved, uh, or not, not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. When Jesus shows up in a desolate place, he knows what his why is. When he came to this earth, he knew why he was here. He came here to serve. In, in the time I've been surrounded by, by successful business people, successful ministers, pastors, churches, when I've been around people that I admire, they almost always are, are service-based. When, when we look at someone, someone very successful like the company Apple, they didn't go in saying, let's go out and make a lot of money. They went out with a why. They said, you know what, let's, let's, let's create a computer. Let's create a computer that's easy to use for everybody. Let's fulfill a need. Let's serve the needs of the people. And through that, it's, I think at some point it was the most, uh, the most profitable company on the planet. Or the most, I mean, it's just, if everyone, how many people have Apple products here? Okay, the majority of people in this room probably do in some way. And, and, and the most successful entrepreneurs and business people and, and ministers, they're there to serve people, not for themselves, but they're there for others. And Jesus paved the way for that. When we begin to serve others, we find our true purpose. And when we get overwhelmed in life and grieving, that's exactly what we need sometimes is to begin to serve others. There's lots of opportunities in this church to serve, in this community, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, if we would just take the focus off of ourselves. So God calls us to serve in the desolate place, and this is where your purpose is. Even though they didn't feel like serving, In a desolate place, it's an opportunity to depend on God. It's an opportunity to depend on God. I'll be honest, we don't want to depend on God. We don't want to depend on other people. We, we would rather kind of be independent, self-sustaining. We, we often will plan out our lives. Now trust me, or, or, you know, believe me, I, I believe in planning. You don't build, uh, you know, a building without architectural designs. You don't build a church without planning things. Our, our, our amazing worship team, they practice and they plan in order, I believe that God honors preparation. He honors plans. But it also says that a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So I feel like too often times in America, we honestly, we plan God out of our lives. We want to plan our careers. We want to plan our meals for the month. 
We, we want to plan everything so that there's no chance we can go without need. There's no chance we can get hurt. There, there's no chance of us being dependent on anyone else. And so we follow our plans and we bring God along for the ride. Or try to. I would rather accomplish less with my life in the eyes of the world, but yet give God the glory for everything. Some of us, we want to accomplish as much as we can, and, and we build up what we can do and what we've accomplished, and this is what I've planned, what I've done. But if we don't, do, and God will allow us to oftentimes. I've seen men create amazing things, and you can do it, but there's no dependency on God. Who's getting the glory for that? Who's getting the glory for that? If your life is to build something, to be successful on your own accord, you're living for the wrong thing. God calls us to be dependent on him. That's why he sent the disciples away with nothing. That's why he called them to a desolate place, to depend solely on him. Not on the accolades of other people. Not on, oh, thank you for healing me. No, that was God. Not on, wow, look at what you've accomplished. Look at what I've done. But no, this is what God has done in me. That's why the Bible says to boast in our failures and depend on God. I love Philip in the story. In fact, actually, it's not in, uh, in, um, in Mark. It's in the other gospel. Like I said, this was in uh, four different stories. But in John 6, we read the same story from a different perspective. And I really like the way it's worded here. So I'm going to pick it up here in John 6. Verse 5. Lifting up his eyes then, seeing a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, catch this. I really like Philip. This guy's cool. Listen to this. Jesus says, where are we to buy bread so these people may eat? He's asking Philip. Now, you know when God asks you a question, he, he probably already knows the answer, right? So listen up. So he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Jesus like, I got a plan, but let's see what Philip says. I'm just going to see what he says. This is going to be interesting. This is going to be funny. Yeah. When God asks you a question, you get ready. He knows what he's talking about. All right. He said this to test him, for he knew himself would do. Philip answered, and, and, and I wonder if, like, they looked at their budget. You know, they, they looked in their, their box that, that Judas held, which I don't know why Judas was holding the box, but he was. The Bible says that he kept charging the money, and he was the one stealing it, so I don't get it. But that, that's one other sermon. Anyway, but he looks in the box and says, okay, all we got is 200 denarii. That's like, you know, six months' worth of wages. We could take all 200 denarii. It says we would not even have enough for one bite for each person. What about that? Is that a good plan, Jesus? No? Okay, so then Peter, then Peter speaks up. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, says, well, there's a boy here. He, he's, got, he's got bread and fish. And, but that's a lot of people. And so Jesus says, have the people sit down. What we try to do on our own is come up with, with our solutions, is, is worldly solutions. Well, they come to, to Jesus and said, hey, listen, send the people away. There's nothing here for them. They have need. They, they need food. It's being late in the day. But you know what? I, if you read the story, I'm, I, I really don't know if that's what they cared about. I honestly think they were just exhausted. How many, how many of y'all know what it means to be hangry? Yeah, married people are like, yeah, I know. Sometimes when I get grouchy, my wife's like, do you need a sandwich? Maybe. 
I think the disciples, they went there because they didn't have time to eat. Now there's more people there, and now they're, they're hanging out for hours, it says. It says the day is drawing late, and then now it says, okay, now, now they're like, okay, let's send the people away. They need food. Let's go get rid of them. You know, but I'm thinking they're like, let's get out of here. Let's get these people gone. But they come up with their own solutions, and they say, man, we could take all this money and go buy food, but then they all have a bite, and, oh, well, well there's these fish, but that doesn't do anything, and ah, I... And we're come up with our own solutions. And Jesus says, have them sit down. In a desolate place, we want to like run away from the desolate place. We want to go and numb our minds. And we want to go back to what we know. We want to come up with our own solutions on how to fulfill the need. But you know what, though? What's interesting to me is that that plan would have worked. Let's just send them away. That works. You can come up with your own solutions. But had they done that, would they not have missed out on an amazing opportunity to depend on God? When you feel like you're in a desolate place, the temptation is to run away. The temptation is to go find a solution to your problem. I'm going to go get a new job. Uh, well, maybe, maybe I wasn't meant to marry that person. Or, or maybe, you know what, I just need to move cities. Or I'm going to come up with my own solution that might work. But are you missing out on the opportunity to depend on God? To see him come through in a magnificent way. Feminists will tell women for years you don't need men to open the doors for you. You don't need men to pay for your meals. You don't need any of that. You can do it yourself. You're strong enough. That's true. My wife can open the door. Absolutely she can. She's strong enough. But she chooses to depend on me. Not out of her weakness, but because she wants to allow me to use my strength. In the same way, do we allow God to come and be the hero in the situation? The squirrel found the ladder eventually, but he could have allowed Ben to come in and save him with the net. And Ben could have been the hero for his family. But do we allow God to come in and do a magnificent work? Or are we eager to go find our own solutions? Like Abraham, trying to fulfill the promise on his own and birthing an Ishmael. We want to come up with our own solutions. Well, we could do this, we could do that. But don't forget to sit down in a desolate place and wait on God. Wait on God. Allow him to come in. Even if you can come up with your own solutions, what do you say, God? That was the answer for Philip. It's not, Philip, what do you think we should do? And he's come up with all sorts of solutions. It's, I don't know, Jesus, you know the answer. What do you say we do? That's the correct answer. Philip's all about coming up with his own solutions and punching numbers and trying to figure out well, what can we do? And he, he's like the math major. I, I, I got a degree in mathematics. I have no idea why. doesn't help me at all. But, I, but I'm the same way. That's my mindset is like, well, uh, let, let's come up with a budget, and, and we, need to, we, need to come, we need to plan this thing out. And, uh, well, I guess we could, um, uh, you know. Um, uh, and God's like, just sit down. I got this. I got this. We, we, we try to plan everything out, and God says, depend on me. Depend on me. We can't be afraid to depend on God and let him be the hero. Jesus focused on the why, the people, and Philip focused on the how. How are we going to do it? How am I going to fix my job? How am I going to fix my marriage? How am I going to do this? How am I... 
let's focus on the, on the who, Jesus, and on the why, his people. When you want to fix your marriage, you try to come up with solutions, and God says, no, focus on the who, on me, and on the why, to refine character, and to build something that will reflect God's glory. We were asking the wrong questions. In your life, you're often asking the wrong questions, and that's why we're not getting the right answers. It's not about the how. It's about the who, and it's about the why. Listen to God and depend on him. Allow God to be your hero. Lastly, a desolate place is an opportunity to exercise faith. This is my last point, so if anyone wants to come up for music. A desolate place is an opportunity to exercise faith. I spoke to a man recently this, uh, this week who was, I was asking how, you know, do you feel like you move in the power of God? See miracles happen. I want to do more of that. And he said he just practiced. He prayed for people. He stepped out of his comfort zone. He exercised faith before things actually happened. We see here that Jesus, he hands, he blesses the food. He hands it to his disciples and says, here, hand it out. And I don't know at what point they had baskets with like a fish and bread. I don't know at what point they're walking toward the crowd being like, this is stupid. What am I going to do with this? I don't know at what point it started multiplying and boiling over. I don't know. Maybe as they actually handed someone, they look back and there's more. I don't know what that looked like. It blows my mind to think of what that looked like. You know, as they handed one, did it branch into three, like right there in someone's lap? I don't know. I, I, it must have been amazing. But I, I know that they had to sit down in a desolate place and trust. Jesus knows what he's doing. I don't get it. Okay, I'm going to take this basket with a, a couple loaves and a fish, and I'm going to keep walking, and hopefully something good happens. I don't know. But when Jesus tells you to step out of your comfort zone, maybe even abandon your plans, can you step out in faith? They begin to obey. And that's what we need. We need to exercise faith. We need to take steps of faith and exercise our faith. And some of you today are in that desolate place, and, and there's a point where you need to, begin to, need to begin to exercise faith. Do things. Take physical steps that you may not feel comfortable taking. But there's a chance to see God move in power, and it might be out of your comfort zone. But he's calling us to take steps of faith that we can trust him, rely on him, and have a God encounter that we would never have had we not been to that desolate place, that he refines our character, we begin to serve others, we begin to take steps of faith to see him come through in a miraculous way. I'm going to go ahead and pray if you guys would bow your heads with me. Jesus, we thank you so much, Lord, that, that God, you do allow us to go into a desolate place. You call us, God, sometimes to go to a desolate place, to suffer through pain, but Lord, it's not for the sake of the pain, but for what you want to do in our character. And so God, I, we bless your name that you know better than we do. That you can use all things for good for those who love you. And so God, we ask you to come in and that you would begin to work in our hearts and allow us, God, to trust you. Allow you to refine our character and look at our circumstances differently. This is an opportunity. An opportunity to serve. An opportunity to, to depend on God. This is an opportunity to refine who I am, to become a better and more godly individual. So God, I pray that you would speak clearly to your people right now and show every one of us, myself included, God, myself especially, how we can begin to exercise that faith, to take steps, God, that would 
be a catalyst for your miracles. To expect you to come through. We're going to sit down in the desolate place and expect that Jesus is going to come through. We can come up with our own solutions, God, but we want yours. We want your solutions, God. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.